Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic leaders today. This is the Indiana Bible College podcast. Today on the podcast, we have our campus pastor's wife, Sister Stephanie Gallion, speaking to the student body. Lucky for you, we captured her message and are sharing it with you here today. It's hard to believe that we are at this time of year again, but here I am about to let you know that you, our listeners, have the opportunity to support an Indiana Bible College student. You can help support a student by starting a scholarship in honor or in the memory of someone that you love or donate to a fund that is already established. Any amount will help a student We certainly don't want to tell you what you're able to give. If you're interested in starting or contributing to a scholarship fund here at IBC, email scholarships at go2ibc.com. That's scholarships at go2ibc.com. We look forward to hearing from you, and we also look forward to you hearing this message from our campus pastor's wife, Sister Stephanie Gallion, a spirit of David in Saul's world. Great mountain-type experiences and victories, it can also become one of the most painful things you will ever face because ministry hurt can be the greatest wound you may ever have to face in your life. People are people, and they are not perfect, amen? They will hurt, they will lash out, they will accuse, and they will try to destroy. And sometimes you, you will find these people maybe under your leadership. Uh, sometimes they might be in leadership over you, which will be even more painful. But regardless, perhaps you've, you're even sitting in this sanctuary today, and you've already tasted that bitter cup of hurt. And today you're sitting in these pews, and you're scared, carrying scars of betrayal, maybe from family, from friends from mentors, from those you have looked to as an example. And for the rest of your life in ministry, I guess this really isn't very encouraging, isn't it? Is it? For the rest of your life in your ministry, guess what? Afflictions are going to come. Tribulations will come against you. But I believe there is something, something in the word of the Lord today that will give us strength and give us reassurance. And just like in this verse in Psalms 132.1, Lord, remember David and all his afflictions And there are several biblical examples of men of God who overcame hurt and betrayal. But I feel like one of the greatest examples is in the life of David. And it's my prayer today that as we study his journey through pain and betrayal, that God will bring peace and restoration in spirit to those of you that are in your valley of brokenness or who may be struggling with forgiveness. Because I can look across here and I can see a crowd of people and I know enough don't have to be a prophet. I don't have to be some kind of spiritual guru to know that when there are people, there are hurts. Where there are people, there are pain. But I believe that God wants to do a work in somebody's heart and in, in their life today. What we learn from David's life are several different things, about six different things that I want to talk about today. And number one, if you're taking notes, it is that he was called and anointed by God for the fulfillment of a time to come. You see, David was chosen out of the entire kingdom and anointed by God through Samuel to be king of Israel. This calling was a heavenly calling. It was a divine appointment. 
And this is just a personal opinion, but I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that in later years when David was running for his life, not knowing if he would live to see the next day or not, the image of him standing before that prophet with the horn of oil in hand, pouring the oil over his head was burned into his mind. I'm sure that he never forgot the feeling of the oil dripping down and the heaviness of mantle that suddenly fell on him at such a young age. And I believe it kept him. That image kept him. It reminded him that there was a bigger purpose. There was a higher calling that someday would make all the pain and the hurt and the betrayal make sense. In the fields, David had prepared himself before the Lord. He sang songs. He prayed. He fought lions. He slayed bears. He walked with the Lord. And in that same way, in your own life, hurt will come. Pain is inevitable. I hate to break it to you, but it's going to come. But above all, you have to be sure of your calling. You've heard us say this time and time again because you can handle anything if you know that you were called. You may not know where you're called to. You may not know what God has in store for you. You just feel this calling, this tugging, this pulling of the Holy Ghost. And you may not even know how that's going to play out. But you have to make sure of your calling. And know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has called me to something. I may not know what it is right now, but I know that God's hand is on my life and I'm going to follow him. Because when you get into those dark places, you'll be able to make it and you'll be able to encourage yourself. You'll be able to find strength in the assurance that I know that God has called me to it and he's going to lead me through it. Amen. There have been countless times throughout our ministry that the only thing that kept me was knowing that we were in the will of God. I knew that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Even when other things seemed questionable or when other things weren't playing out the way that I thought it was or that I had it in my mind that it was going to work out this way, I knew that God called us and he called us to a specific place for a specific time. Don't let the enemy cause you to question your calling or the hand of God on your life. There's no place for that. Do not allow him to use people to cause you to second guess the things that he has spoken into your life. If he has given you a promise, you hold on to that. You claim that in the name of Jesus. And while the hurt and the pain you endure may cause you to despair for a moment, don't let it overtake you to the point that you reject the promises of God and the plan that he has for you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I have toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. Do you know this verse, this scripture? We could say it frontwards and backwards. And not of evil to give you an expected end. He has thoughts of us. He has thoughts of every one of you. And he, not only does he have thoughts, but he has good thoughts to give us an expected end. Expected end can also be translated a hopeful future. So even in our brokenness, remember that God wants to give us a hopeful future. Too many times I feel like we want the glory of ministry. We want the lights, the smoke, the accolades. But we don't want to have to learn to walk with him through the valley of affliction. We want to know him in the power of the resurrection. But we don't want so much to know him in the fellowship of his suffering. As we are instructed in Philippians 3.10. However, we need to understand that according to Romans 5, we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. We have a hope 
we have a promise. So when you are surrounded, remember the promises of God, his calling on your life, and hold to the things that he has spoken. Number two about David. David was the target of a mad king. And there's nothing more painful than being the target of a jealous, insecure person. No spear is more deadly than the spear of a mad person and especially a mad king. While David was anointed, Saul was anointed as well. And Saul was the king. You would have thought that Saul would have handled the kingship with humility, gratitude, dignity, and obedience before God. But instead, he became haughty, jealous, insecure, and rebellious, which eventually led him to become a murderer. People are people. And people who have not dealt with their own personal Saul will be jealous and insecure. And whether you like it or not, or can prevent it or not, there's nothing you can do to change them. Only God can do that. And as a people pleaser, I love for everyone to get along. I want everybody to be happy, and I want peace at all costs. And sometimes it's a very hard lesson for people pleasers to learn that there are some situations that we just cannot change because we can't change people. We can't make some people happy. I'm not sure if the Lord himself could make some people happy. But we for sure won't make those people happy because the problem really isn't about us. It's about their own past hurts, their own rejections, insecurities, and issues that have caused their inner soul to rise up and spew bitterness and anger and discord. See, I don't believe that Saul was always crazy. I think there was a time when he was anointed and chosen by God. He was a mighty warrior and held in esteem. And the Bible tells us that the Spirit of the Lord was on him. It goes on to say in 1 Samuel that after killing Goliath, David went wherever Saul sent him. Whatever Saul commanded him to do, that's what David did. And David's behavior and his character led him to favor position and acceptance. And everything was good until one day those people began to beat their tambourines and they wrote a little song. And they started to sing David's praises. And Saul's insecurities raised its ugly head. And in that moment, he allowed his jealousy to take control. And he became crazed and obsessed with trying to destroy David. Because he knew, Saul knew, that the spirit of the Lord had departed from him. And that it was now resting upon David. The third thing about David is that he kept his hand from the king. Through the spears the tantrums, the rage. David understood one thing. He understood authority and submission to authority because once upon a time, Saul was anointed and he was God's chosen. And through his disobedience, God rejected Saul and chose David. But David never forgot that Saul was anointed and that he was still under Saul's authority. He was a member under his rule. He even later married Saul's daughter and became his son-in-law. So when Saul comes seeking to kill David, one would, could argue that wouldn't it have been okay for David to just kill Saul? They were both anointed kings. Would it, maybe, could it have really made a difference if David helped God out by taking Saul's life and helping the Lord accomplish his goal a little bit quicker? However, through all of this, David refused to rebel against the authority of God by killing Saul. Watchman Nee in his book, Spiritual Authority, which I recommend every one of you to read, describes David this way. David was one who knew the authority of God in his heart. And although repeatedly chased by Saul, he submitted himself to God's authority 
He even addressed Saul as my Lord or the Lord's anointed. And this reveals an important fact that subjection to authority is not being subject to a person, but it's about being subject to the anointing which is upon that person. Me goes on to say that he, David, would rather therefore flee for his own life than to stretch out his hand to kill Saul. While David never laid a hand on Saul, neither did he stay and allow Saul to kill him. He fled for his life. And although I believe ministry is not for quitters, I also believe that there are times when you have to remove yourself from situations before they destroy you spiritually. And so you've got to keep in mind that you're going to guard, guard yourself, guard your heart, guard your mind, guard your spirit. Number four, and I love this one about David, is that he encouraged himself in the Lord. In the middle of the craziness of David's life, here he is, he's being chased by Saul, running, literally running for his life. He and his men returned to camp in Ziglag and discovered that their families had been taken captive, destroyed, raped, etc. And his men turn against him. The very men who had stood beside him and pledged loyalty and support are now turning against David and blaming him for what has happened to their families. And yet, in spite of the chaos, Scripture tells us that David took his ephod or his garment of praise and says he encouraged himself in the Lord. There will be moments in your ministry, there will be moments in your life that nobody is going to come and give you a pat on the back. Nobody's going to pat you on the head or shake your hand and tell you good job. There are going to be times that are lonely. There are going to be times when you feel like you're alone and that nobody, God doesn't even remember where you're at. He's dropped you off in this desert and has forsaken you. But at some point, you're going to have to learn to dig deep and get into the word and get into prayer and get into devotion and get into fasting and encourage yourself in the Lord because nobody else might encourage you. And I'm not meaning this to be so down and heavy today. I really didn't intend it for to come out this way. I just want you to understand that you can't expect people always to be there to encourage you and tell you what a great job you are and spoon feed you. At some point, you've got to get it for yourself. You've got to dig into the word and allow God's word to strengthen you and be a buckler and be a shield. And you have to encourage yourself in the Lord because it will happen. Number five, this is the most important when you're dealing with hurt. He did not become like Saul. David did not become like Saul. He could have easily He could have easily become like Saul, throwing his own spears, throwing temper tantrums, and allowing hurt to plant deeply and give away to roots of bitterness. You know, the old adage is that hurt people hurt people. In other words, that we have a tendency to do what we know, right? Which is why statistics say that those who have been abused abuse others. And those who have suffered under alcoholism will in turn cause their family to suffer to do to alcohol. But aren't you so glad that we serve a God that's bigger than statistics? Right? That the power of the Holy Ghost can come in and change? Regardless of the circumstances or treatment that you have endured, there is a God waiting and willing to help you overcome that hurt and that pain that you've been holding on to. He desires good things for his children. He has good thoughts for his children. However, as you allow him to work on you, you have to remember that in the valley of pain or affliction, one must fight against a victim mentality. 
Hurt causes people to be sensitive to others and misinterpret actions for those around them. And hurt causes isolation. Sometimes isolation is okay because it's in those times of loneliness that God can chisel away arrogance or pride or can cause us to rise up out of the ashes of the pain, the person that he truly intends us to be. However, if we hold on to the hurt and allow the isolation to become our cave of protection against hurt, then we become Saul, an island unto ourselves where we are self-sufficient and have no need for others, or even worse, we're resistant to authority. We can make our own decisions and look out for ourselves, we tell ourselves. Backbiting, bitterness, anger, and resentment will cause us to look into the mirror and see the very thing that we tried to escape from. According to Jean Edwards in A Tale of Three Kings, there is a Saul in all of us. That sinful nature in us that wants to retaliate that carnal inner man that feels justified and sometimes would be justified in wanting to fight back, defend ourselves, or even kill the king and take what is rightfully ours. It's easy to apologize and accept poor treatment when you've done wrong and you know that you, when you've not, when you've done wrong and you know that you were wrong, when you know that there's a, a, a reason for the poor treatment, but it's far more difficult and painful to accept mistreatment and harsh words and unfair accusations when you know you've done nothing to deserve it. Our natural reaction is to defend, explain, and vindicate, right? That's what we we naturally want to do. Yet David did none of these. He didn't do any of these things. He allowed the Lord to continue the circumstances until the Lord saw fit to elevate him to the rightful position. And he never, ever retaliated. Even when he was hunted like a dog, living in caves like a wild man, he simply dodged, ran, fled, prayed, sang, wrote songs, and allowed God to crush every bit of himself away until he became the man that God needed. And he didn't become Saul. He became a king. David was called a man after God's own heart. It always stumps me because he was far from perfect. There was so much, so many things that went on in his life, so many issues that he had to deal with and overcome, and yet God called him a man after God's own heart. In Malachi 3, we find one of my favorite scriptures that says in verse 3, and he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver. And they offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. If any of you have ever sat in any of my classes, you've heard me teach the lesson on the silversmith. And I wanted to share that again with you today. There's a story that a group of women were studying this particular scripture. And one of the women decided just to visit a silversmith and see what was going on. She arrived at his shop and watched as he stoked the flames and put everything in order, and he was meticulous and took his time. When the man placed the metal into the fire, she noticed that he stayed there the entire time, never taking his eyes off the metal. He would stoke the flames, turn the metal, move it around, fan the flames, but never once did he leave. When the lady asked what he was doing, he replied, I must keep an eye on it at all times. For the fire has to be at the right temperature. If it's not hot enough, it won't work. 
and the impurities will be left, and the silver won't be good or of any value. But if the fire becomes too hot, then the metal will be consumed and the silver will be ruined. I have to keep the temperature just hot enough until all of the impurities are removed and the silver is finished. The lady then asked, well, how do you know when it's finished? The old man chuckled and replied, oh, that's easy, he said, when I can see my reflection. I don't think it's any accident that the Lord used an analogy of a silversmith and a refiner of silver, because I'm not sure about you, but I want God to continually to refine things that are in my life, purge things that are not there. If there's been hurt and betrayal and bitterness or resentment, I don't want any part of that in me because it's all about being a reflection of him anyway, right? Isn't that what we were supposed to be? To be Christ-like, to be as Christ, to be an example, a reflection of his goodness, his faithfulness, his godliness. We'll never be perfect for he is perfect, but we can strive to reflect him when we're walking down the street, when we're starting our, our churches, when we're singing, when we're writing our songs. I want to be a reflection of him in all that I do. I look around this room and I see a group of young ministers ready to do something powerful for the kingdom of God. You have hopes, you have dreams, you have visions. You've heard the voice of God speak to you and he's given you a word of direction. But I also look around this room and I see a group of students who have had to walk a mile or two. You face disappointments. You have faced afflictions and betrayals. You've been abused. You've been accused. You've been rejected by family. You've endured hurts and pains so deep that you can't even speak to anyone about them. What things are you holding on to? What things do you need the great refiner to purge out of you? And I challenge you today to allow God to completely pull those things out of your heart and life until you reflect his image Pastors, kids, PKs that are sitting here, is it something that was said to your father? Have you watched your family walk through the trial and hurt of ministry? Those of you that are new converts and have only been living for God for a few years, what are you holding on to? Is it past mistakes, rejection from your family who doesn't want you to be here at Bible college anyway? Is it words spoken in anger that have cut to your core? Is it divorce, abuse, rejection? Today is the day for you to lay everything on the altar because as much as God is calling you to do something for his kingdom, he is also calling you to be whole. You don't want to carry these things into your marriage, your families, your ministries. And so I can promise you that if God has been faithful to us, if he's walked through us in valleys, if he's walked through the dark times with us and he has been our shield and our protector, I can sing a little louder because I know of God's faithfulness. I can sing a little brighter because you don't know like I know what God has done for me, how he's walked with me every step of the way, the things that he has had to literally carry me through because I couldn't carry myself. But sometimes we want the glory of the pulpit and the platform, but we don't want to have to walk that road with him. And I know that God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't love me any more than he loves you. And he will prove himself to you in the same way if you will allow him, if you will allow him to purge you. Praying as the psalm says in 51.7, purge me with hyssop 
and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. God, I want you to get everything out of me. Anything that is unusable, anything that is ugly, I want you to pour it out. I want you to rip it out. I want you to take it out of me so that I can be a clean vessel, willing to ready and willing to be poured into by the Holy Ghost so that I can pour it back out. Amen. In David's life of brokenness, pain, and accusation, he allowed God to reshape and remold him, leaving him barely a glimpse of the young shepherd boy that he once was. What if he hadn't allowed the process to be completed? Would he have become the great king that God intended him to be? We will never know. And to be honest, David's life continued to be haunted by sin, mistakes, and rebellion. He was far from perfect, but the key is that he continually sought the face of God. And this is not the first time you will face disappointments and hurts or affliction. You will have to endure hardships throughout your ministry. And as I said earlier, people will reject you. People will say things about you. People will come against you. But what you choose to do now and how you choose to respond, and I even feel so strongly, how you choose to respond today has the ability to set the course for the rest of your life. I know some of your stories. I know what you've been facing. I know what you've gone through. And you need to allow God to completely do a work and bring healing once and for all. We can hear the anguish of betrayal and the pain of life circumstances mixed with trust and faith in God who has proven faithful when we read Psalms 27. And Caleb, if you'll come to the, to the keyboard. It says in Psalms 27, I don't know if you have time to put it up there, but if not, I'm just going to go ahead and read it. This scripture has come so real in my own life. And it simply says, the Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. And though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me he shall set me upon a rock and now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy I will sing praise yea I will sing praise unto the Lord hear O Lord when I cry with my voice have mercy also upon me and answer me when thou saidest seek ye my face my heart said unto thee thy face Lord will I seek hide not thy face far from me Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my mother and father forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. 
Teach me thy ways, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Here it is. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Can you just lift your hands right now? Can you talk to him? Oh, God. This altar is open if you want to come to the front. If you want God to move, if you want him to work in your heart and mind and get some things out once and for all that you've been struggling with. It's not the first time, I hate to tell you. But when you can wait on the Lord and be of good courage, I promise you he's going to strengthen your heart. <laughs> Woo! There are some deep, deep pains in this room today. There are some deep hurts. But you can't put a band-aid on it anymore. You've got to allow God to completely heal that wound. Lest you become a Saul. I surrender all. Yes, I 
Indiana Bible College has three major courses of study, biblical studies, worship studies, and our newest major, missiology. For more information about these, visit indianabiblecollege.org. Indiana Bible College, training tomorrow's apostolic leaders today.